Hey, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, folks. So we're going to be continuing our lessons. We're going to be talking about the different houses. Now, the way that the different houses is, is that they're fixed on Earth. And as Earth is rotating around the sun, depending on where you was born and when is how even astrology works so you're wondering well how does everything change or how does or why doesn't anything just stay the same or <clears throat> is because on earth the houses are fixed and if you was to freeze earth right now it would pan out as, okay, so your sun is over here, according to the earth, and that is this house. And according to also the constellations that are fixed, it's in this sign. So there are a lot of combinations now that I'm explaining this to you that could pan out. And that's for y'all to get an understanding of what exactly our houses are. Different houses are like different sign rulers. And it goes in the traditional order. First house being Aries. Now, what would the first house mean traditionally in astrology? Well, the first house means initiation. It means leadership. It means the first step to drive the passion um, more broad or more subjectively speaking if you're talking about somebody specific depending on <clears throat> if there's a planet there or not it, it would be more so we're talking about like um, a subjective reading on somebody. So I told y'all about the signs and I even told y'all about the planets. So for example, let's just say in the perfect person in the perfect time, they got Aries in their first house and, you know, subliminally speaking, to like sort of understand this, like the house is like, what what you would be accustomed to when you're like walking into different buildings or different houses, like actual people's houses, like they tell you, hey man, take your shoes off at the door. You know, it's like that's metaphorically speaking, that's how, you know, different houses could be for interpretation. So we're talking about the first house and it's, Aries, and let's say traditionally the person we're talking about has the Aries constellation. That means that planet Earth and where they were born, they were facing primarily in <clears throat> the direction, face of the constellation Aries. And that's your interpretation. Especially if you look at your chart 
in or the person we're talking about, for example, and you see, are also they have Mars in their first house and is the sign Aries. Open interpretation is very direct of what the house is about. And that's what Aries, like if you remember our Aries, uh, uh, our Aries episode, and if you remember the Mars episode, this is where we're, we're putting all of those lessons together. The, the lessons compound each other, like I told you. If you don't know, if you are a little bit lost, you are more than welcome to go back to any of the Knight's Order episodes and also in this description, it will tell you what I'm talking about very briefly. And in the episode, I'm going further into details of my interpretation on all of the what I'm t- telling you right now. So, <clears throat> just to switch it up and to give y'all some more clarity on how to interpret the first house is, supposedly... Somebody has Capricorn sign in the first house, but their but but their um Mars is still in the first house. So more specifically, I should have told you this just a little bit sooner, but it it really doesn't matter that much is that <clears throat> in the first house of Looking at your chart or this person's chart, for example, means that this is their chart ruler, is is whatever that first house. Um, that first house planet should be or is. In my example, I don't have a planet in the first house. I have a sign. And taking that into interpretation... <clears throat> This sign rules over our planet. And whenever interpretation, if you was to look at a at a chart or somebody's chart, you would say metaphorically speaking, this planet is your chart ruler. More so, especially if you do have a planet there. In my case, very technically speaking, I have a dwarf planet there. But we will get into, um, you know, more more combinations of, of charts. This is just me giving y'all an example of the very first house and to interpret all 12 houses. Seeing that I told y'all about all 12 signs and all 12 planets. All right. <clears throat> so, here we go. So, um, Mars, they got in their first house, so... That would be their chart ruler. All right. Now, dominant planet could be depending on degrees if the planet is at home in its sign or if the planet is, um, yeah, if the planet is at home in its sign. So, I guess so. I guess because this is really all subjective and to take all of the subjective information, you know, making it into like one big book would sort of like convolute uh, a premise idea if he was to make one because there would be so many components. And on top of that, 
you got to take into consideration current time that you're on as current planets are, are moving in different constellations as we speak for modern interpretations of, of astrology forecasting, if you will. So, like going back to the example, you would say overall interpretation if this if the person hypothetically had Capricorn sign Mars first planet I mean Mars in the first house you can interpret that like you know I should have said earlier it 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 does mean that that is your rising sign I shouldn't say that in like, oh, it doesn't mean, because it actually does. Because in astrology, it is very, very specific to the T when you're talking about degrees. There is no such thing as in between. <clears throat> if you ever look at a clock, it doesn't say 9.15 and a half, and then it goes to 9.16. It, there's There's... It it doesn't work like that. It goes from one to the next to the next to the next. And regardless, if it's very, very finite, like if you was born at the very beginning of a sign or if you was born at the very end, it may look like in, in broad spectrum that you're split right down the middle. If you was to look very specifically, very closely, either one sign or another. So in your first house, traditionally speaking, going back to the first example, the Aries with the Mars in the first house and, and you know, the Aries sign and Mars in the first house would mean there are Aries rising. <clears throat> and on our second example, regardless of the planet, is dependent on the sign. Capricorn rising. And um, oof, what what other example? Oh yeah, and to go into also, we might as well tell you about rising sign because that's what I was speaking in the thing. Is that um, rising sign means your lowest frequency identity. It also means that. Loosely speaking, if somebody didn't know anything about your personal or your home life and they just knew of you and even saw you from a distance, it is probably safe to say that they might interpret your sign. You know, somebody was to ask you like, you know, you even never even formally met the person. You just visually know of them or very, very loosely in a conversation outside of their presence know of them. You could, you know, if somebody was to ask you, hey, what do you think is their zodiac sign? They would probably guess your rising sign because your rising sign is your low frequency self. It is, unfortunately, <clears throat> you get the worst of traits of this sign. And in your high frequency self, before you get to your north node, because that is the highest frequency, actually, 
because there's a difference between south and north north and that does differ from your rising sign because your rising sign isn't your south node uh, a high frequency self of yours is your midheaven your highest frequency because that goes in conjunction with your rising sign is like your spiritual learn your spiritual lessons and your spiritual journeys and through the architect of the different signs is loosely speaking your archetype or in in your your like sort of star mythology if you will if 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 you yourself was some star astrology legend it would be loosely based off of your rising sign your you know i see but you know i'm way ahead of y'all but i'm just explaining to y'all in conjunction to what the heck does first house mean your midheaven and your north node <clears throat> this is like you know you that is like your the that is like the covers of your book you know inside of the pages is where you begin to write and how things pan out for yourself you know but um this is where people like really really believe in astrology and this is like where people really don't like astrology or don't or or, or believe that you shouldn't look into it is because some ironies will begin to show itself, you know, some some con uh, coincidences, some other people will say, you know, it's like, dang, y'all. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's fine, it's cool, because that whole train of thought runs in congruent with people not knowing, all right, don't tell me about the movie, I'm about to go see it tonight, you know, I bought tickets, like, Stop talking about it. Don't spoil it for me. You know, they, they want to experience it. They don't want it to be spoiled or for them to, you know, feel <clears throat> like like that's now an anchor in their life that they're going to always be worrying about and looking out for. So, all right. So, um, yeah. All right, for to cap it off, to give y'all some more details on the two examples. For the Aries rising, <coughs> it is what people really don't know you as, but they would assume you as. And this is your low frequency self, meaning that Unfortunately, in your case, you got the bad traits of Aries. When you're at your lowest, the bad traits of Aries very much shows in, in you. And in example number two is, so for Capricorn, to primarily base yourself off of your rising sign can work in some ways. But 
to understand is to know that there's other aspects of your chart that is is also, you know, working in your favor. So I would encourage you to also look into that. Also, you know, before I end the episode, whenever you hear somebody talk about your big three, they're talking about your rising sun and moon sign. And to tell y'all real quick is, you know, like when somebody asks you, what is your zodiac sign? They're, you know, in astrologers and maybe some astrologers, of course, some astrologers would differ with this opinion, is that they're loosely saying, what is your sun sign? They're saying, you know, like what, what in, you know, what day, you know, what month was it when you were born? And that is, you know, depending on the sun, because, you know, we in, you know, Zodiac, without going too far into astrology, follow the sun signs, you know, and, you know, other people follow the the lunar calendar. And others that are more into astrology far as the lunar calendar would be like, all right, in the moon, as we're rotating around the sun, also the moon is going into different signs as it's rotating. Uh, around the the earth so you know the moon is in every sign every two to three weeks and you know the sun is in every sign every like month or so and you know uh, mercury is in every sign every uh, three to four weeks so yeah you know stuff like that so um yeah, you know, they're, they're, they're loosely saying your sun sign. In my opinion, you know, the more that you learn and understand charts or even your own chart, the more you will have to beg to differ of even relating with a said one zodiac sign. Because you just know that there's just more to it than just plain saying Aries, you know. So, like, if somebody was actually, what is your zodiac sign to, like, refer to your rising sign as your zodiac sign is a little incomplete because, you know, it would take into account that you possibly or should at at least at that level of you knowing your rising sign for you also to know your moon sign and for you to technically know your sun sign. And also... Once when you, like, begin to understand more components of the chart, looking at even the sun sign doesn't even say that, per se, you're that sign. Because not every sign is home to the sun, you know? And, you know, classically speaking, astrologers would say that the sun and the moon only shares one sign, but we all know that the sun is also exalted in Aries, and the moon is also exalted in Taurus. So, you know, there's there's also like taking those into into effect, into your overall knowledge would just shape your understanding in if you wanted to identify with just said one sign, you know. So, 
you know, there there are some times, I guess, once when you understand is that there are some times where you honestly can relate with all the signs and you will want to incorporate all of the good aspects of every sign into your life. <clears throat> yep, to put a bow on that and thank you for tuning in. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. This is Internet Radio. I am your host. And this is a nice water type episode. Alright, this is it. So, um, last time we talked, we had a conversation about the different houses in astrology. Talk to you about the first and the second house. So today's episode is the third house. Now, the third house is the house of Gemini. It's um chart planet would typically be Mercury. And this house deals with our thinking and communication. Some would just strictly say communication, some would strictly say thinking. Some we even interject on on a whole different type of other system that, you know, um, sometimes it correlates with Western. But uh, other than that, I can't tell y'all about that other system that much. So if y'all are implying that, I'm going to teach y'all some other system. Uh, nah. So, you know, what else do... Because we already went over... The zodiac signs with Gemini. Y'all should know what Gemini is all about. This is the duo sign. This is this is the sign that all the zodiac signs have has to have a represent. Well, also Pisces has to have a representation of two things, almost like two separate things. But for I, I you know, if I had to interject. Gemini is more so on this polarity idea than even Pisces with the two fishes. So, dang, I just realized something about Pisces. So, dang, man. So, here we go with Gemini. Gemini, yeah, they're the only zodiac sign. So, with the two representations of male and female, heavenly teetering on that also hinting more so than when you're looking at Virgo and more so when you're looking at Scorpio is the visual representation of a sexual relationship of 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 affection and the higher self could be like marrying the two within you that natural Gemini energy inside of you. So, um, you know, it's 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 a bit hard nowadays because for if you can imagine for women to try to integrate or introspect a masculine energy inside of them and try to integrate that with their female ego self. And all the time it has been difficult for men and even hard to approach this topic of the concept saying to a man, uh, 
that acknowledge the feminine in him. And that would like, you know, if you can imagine for both genders, how it's like, how it does pan out and how difficult that that process would be, no matter how practical I said it and how you can apply it, is a lot of social. And that's also the thing about Gemini. Gemini is social. And Mercury is communication. Mercury is cooperation with this communication, you know. This isn't like Venus with communication because if you can imagine, Venus is codependent and communication can be cut off and in a relationship can be one-sided. Communication can be one-sided with Venus. So Venus being a relationship side isn't even the harbinger or the best or even sometimes capable of communication. In Mercury... Even though it's a cooperation, it is not implying of affection, love, things like like of of what Venus entails. So you 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 could imagine people getting that mixed up with the Mercury or saying a Mercury and because there's communication there could also be affection in there and it's like <clears throat> no. It can't be. And the difference between the Mercury, the Venus, and the Mars is the Mars is about the initiative, the passion, the burst. And within the Venus, interacting with the Venus, it, it could collide because Venus being a cooperative planet, it would be like, all right, I actually have these motives, but it can be also implied that these are our motives. Well, we all know these planets are all individuals and they have their own motive. And then you can have like a shared motive whenever one or more planets get together. So, you know, beautiful things can happen, you know, when you got the Venus and the Mars and you, you can imagine also, you know, bad things happening with that. And when it comes to like cooperation and being the initiative, the innovator, you can see where that that uh, could collide because also the thing I didn't mention earlier is like Mars is is a competitive. See, Mercury is cooperative in communication, but Mars is co- is competitive, and there there can be friendly or very violent competitiveness about Aries. So, you know, on the most basis of levels, when the Mars is, like, interacting with the Mercury, it, it could also be a bad thing because <clears throat> here Mars wants to, like, well, Mars is forced to initiate in a cooperative way and it will come off as competitive. And with the Venus, it's supposed to be like we're uh, equal, we're supposed to be balanced, but there's still the cooperative and there could be, you know, a divergent with the two, if you can imagine. So there you go, breaking down the personal planets and, the, you know, the, the personal sign for this house. And, you know, 
like like what I told you, or I believed I told you in the first two episodes regarding these houses is, you know, it, it all depends on the overall birth chart. So like I did in the previous episodes, I would have like some examples of of my interpretation or how you could look at things. So let's look at the uh, Capricorn rising. <clears throat> so that means their Capricorn is in the first house. And let's also assume that the Saturn is in the first house. Or it could be like the Sun is in the first house. Either or. And you know the thing about the Sun is like, like what I believe that I went over in the first episode with the first house is that the sun is your ego and it is like that natural Leo energy. And the difference between the Leo and the Mars, the sun and the Mars is, the sun is like the king. It's the center of attention and it deploys its power to all the other planets that allows their capability. If that is ever... The other way around, the solar system would not be what it be, and I believe astrology-wise also. So, the the Mars is like the night. The Mars is like the first in line to get it. Well, not even to get it because it'll be like Mercury with the communication. Mars to do something about it, communicate this. Boom, this came from the sun, the king, the Leo. Boom. <clears throat> So, let's do a little bit of interpretation. Is that this Capricorn rising traditionally Capricorn uh, sign is Saturn. So, having that Saturn there, it would mean that the person's journey is about breaking boundaries and about um expanding uh power but with time comes with with this these boundaries being broken if not expanded upon because it's not so much about breaking boundaries it's about expanding them and that's the the master rule about what Saturn was to teach you and, you know, with the sun there, you would traditionally call this person a Capricorn sun. Now, the difference, what I believe with the sun that I started to bring up is that the sun can, of course, be in all different houses. It could be Capricorn rising with the sun in the eighth house, and we haven't even went to the eighth house yet. But, you know... Let's let's stick with our our um, example and with uh, what we got so far. Is that the difference between the sun being in the first house? There is that there is more so leans upon your ego and how you channel the dark side of your Capricorn. As you're progressing through time. Because the tricky thing 
and what opens up more interpretations is that for a set example with sun and first house Capricorn rising is that the sign itself tra traditionally rules you know Saturn so it leaves some more interpretation to <clears throat> to add and fill in on how to interpret that and it's like an added plus than just having Saturn in the first house because now where where is your son and in our example um son in the second house is actually strong and I believe wow so sun could be strong here but it also depends on the sign that that could be interesting you know because sun is debilitated in Libra apparently and the reason why it is is because the sun is brought down to be an equal with, you know, the sun and the moon cycle and, not you know, light cycle, night cycle and day cycle. So apparently, ironically, during Libra season, the day and night cycle are just about almost perfectly even, equally distributed. So in order for that to happen, the sun, the king loses his power some to be equal and you know traditionally an open interpretation is sort of a bad thing because you know where is that power now being distributed said you know now in your moon you know for and the moon is different from the sun because there's, you know, the sun begats with good things and bad things. And also does the moon. So, <clears throat> for for some people, to, I, I, think, I believe the reason why they consider it a bad thing is because there's more to look into because there's, that energy is being debilitated. So, it's being redistributed in another place. It is naturally the moon energy. So... So here we go. So right after that, we could assume that this Saturn in the first house, Capricorn rising, will have like okay, like a sun. Oh yeah, let's 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 go with our example with our third house. Scratch that. So not the entire thing. So Saturn first house, we could say second house has um, Venus, and that's a strong placement also apparently. Because, well, I didn't even tell y'all why. Um, sun in the second house is a strong placement because <clears throat> this is the house of value. And ironically, with the king, with the royalty, with the regal, Leo, the sun, being there in the house of value, gets its appreciation, it sees itself, and it can gain itself through things or through people through relationships and the the thing about what i believe is that house number two and house number three and maybe house number four but definitely the house two and three are the most tangible the most 
literal houses out of all the other houses. All the other houses could be empty. All the other houses could be really, really high concept things and open for interpretation. And it's it's subjective, really. Uh, and the, the second house really initiates the point that the other houses really are saying, but on a higher concept, is what is the value? And it goes back to yourself and your mind and how you think about things and what what you spend time with also. That could be woven into your interpretation of the second house is time is value. So what you what 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 is in your finite life you're spending your, your valuable time on. And uh, <clears throat> the sun here takes advantage, <laughs> if you will. So, let's go on and move the sun over to the third house. And we can have, say, Venus. Here in the second house, this is a strong placement because this is the house of Taurus. And Taurus co-rules uh, Venus along with Libra. So, um, so, here we go. The person, obviously, let's... Let's go on and give y'all the full interpretation with with the Venus now included is that they value the relationships and, the, and they could be a bit possessive because like I told you, there could be a toxic, obsessive, not good vibes or thing about Venus if it's not put checked in its place. And with it being in this second house, it could be, it is very productive in all of its relationships and and how value, like how material things. So Venus in the second house finds a way to <clears throat> earn money through their relationships. And, you know, other people... Don't like that because they're like, get it, get it how you live it, get it on your own. You don't need to always mooch, you don't always need. But, you know, Venus, that is Venus' dilemma, but it's also Venus' blessing because it is hard to get things by done by yourself and you need cooperation. And that's, that's where it's key element. But, you know, it depends on where the Mercury is because let's go ahead and continue with the interpretation first example is that the sun in the third house this could be represented that the king and what it can this whoa sun in the third house man this could be uh this is a very powerful person how they communicate and how they think is interwoven with their ego and that's actually a great placement it is a good placement i believe in my interpretation of course out of pocket out of place you know in a bad way if it's not checked this is the type of person that when you communicate with them they could be very sensitive and they could take things to heart because their ego was woven into how they think it so a lot of things you could be communicating with them and you could interpret it as this is all hypothetical, but there is 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 so with with their uh, ego being <clears throat> in the midst of on this communication, things things could be uh, 
take it to that level if you don't realize how they're communicating and how that comes off. So also with Mercury is that it's not all about Mercury just giving, giving, giving all this information, communicating, communicating. It's also receiving the information. And that's also the 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 thing about Mercury where Mercury can mess up is that it's not all about just being quiet and taking in everything, all this, and just being you believing that's your role or that's your, and that's not it, apparently. Uh, you got to give it back, you know. It's more than just to take, but also to bring back. It's a part of magic. So, you know, this this person, if you can imagine, like we go back to the third house, <clears throat> you know, this this. This could be like a, a leader because they mean what they say because their ego is interwoven. You know, if their ego is diluted because it also depends on the sign and this is where we're going to get into a little more detail with this interpretation. And so, okay, um, this is um, going to switch over. So here we go. Mercury traditionally in the third house is a, a good placement, a strong placement, a traditional placement. You know, that sun in the third house, that could be, you know, like an ace, a wild card type of thing. But, you know, this, this third house is traditional, it's a strong, you know, this is like, like uh, what, what, you know, you, you hope and believe, you know, this is this is a good placement for Mercury to obviously be in the third house and the traditional house of Gemini. So, oh, yeah. <clears throat> also, the interpretation with that first house is that Aries in the first house is a strong placement and could could uh, have even more to say about your your spiritual soul journey. So. For those people, if you realize that you got your son in the first house, uh, Aries in the first house, or that traditional sign, planet in the first house, there's something unique and something you need to very much pay attention regarding your soul life. It, it could also mean that you you had a past life. You know, also, you know, depending on... Of course, depending on that Saturn in the first house, that's like a, that's a big one right there. You know, it's telling you because this is time. This is a lesson. This is the the, the obstacle in your journey. You know. So uh, let's let's keep going with our Capricorn rising friend, and um, let's say Aquarius is their second house, so they're unique. In, in, and the Venus here. So, whoa, Aquarius Venus. So, you know, um, this person, they could be a bit of a ditz when it comes to the love. But, you know, when it comes to certain fire signs and air signs, and obviously, you know, that, <clears throat> yeah, I just said air signs. Obviously, the air signs and some, you know, earth signs. This is a big turn off and you know for other people is a big turn off because you know when we're talking about the female 
she could be seen as like being a slut because she in the way that she loves and wants to like be about is in an individualized way and you know if she's committed but you know with her Aquarius being in Venus she could be like really feeling independent making her own moves and being like also totally oblivious or mindfully you know um turning the other cheek or not even like turning her ear away from what what her partner got because the assumption is all right I got me I'm good you should be good because you know the Aquarius would assume that other people think like them and with the Venus being here <clears throat> you can imagine there's a clash because Venus is cooperation and when you got the independent Aquarius here it is like on a surface air like level this person is you know for, you know Aquarius are, they're fun loving people so that 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 you know lighthearted especially if she's good looking that comes off as a total turn on the guys you know because a lot of guys if they're just looking up for a quick hookup in the Aquarius female they could see that as a quick hookup because they're very individualistic and you can see with their Venus here in the way that they love now with their Mars planet it is telling how they want the love so regardless of how the Aquarius with the Venus woman could be it all depends on where her Mars is and that would be like the key to really fulfill her habitable needs as as Aquarius female and it doesn't really always have to be traditional air because if you know her Mars is in Scorpio you can imagine that she would desire that deep emotional intensity she she would desire that so the dilemma would be like I have this this disposition to be individualistic and if you're able to tolerate and see through and stick with me on this <clears throat> solo light journey that I got going on and give me that emotional deepness I you know I could I could integrate myself a little more as an individual into your life type of vibe now you know for for a guy with their Venus, if he has his Aquarius Venus, it means that's the type of girl that he's into. And where his Mars is, is how he loves. So having, you know, we just take it for open interpretation. The, the Scorpio, the Mars and Scorpio, this guy, he loves very deeply and he wants that girl. This, you know, to be a bit of a of an individual, to be real, like fun loving, no, you know, like not that much into all right, me, me, you, you got your ticket, I got my ticket, let's go to this park, <coughs> let's vibe. If I'm over here in the picture gallery, I'm over here taking a few pictures. You over there getting some popcorn. We could come together. I will show you some pictures. You can share your popcorn. It's, 
you know, and we, we, it's, it's, the we is of a me because in the, in, if you can imagine, the Aquarius is the rebel leader because it is at times the oblivious leader because it is so individualistic, even like sort of in a de debilitated sense more so than Leo because Leo is like the lion that knows it's a lion so it's not going to intermingle with the sheep it's not going to intermingle with the monkeys or with the hyenas because that's how the Leo would interpret its individuality if you know what I mean differently from the Aquarius so those two energies as you can imagine they're a bit polarizing because it's like, all right, I got my kingdom and my knights and the princesses and, the, you know. And here are you that <clears throat> Aquarius does have a following because the the higherness of Aquarius is, even though it's this so much of the individualists, there's others that follow its path and be in step in, in that development of evolution. And because it's individualistic, it could be a bit of a tyrant. It could be a bit of a utilitarian, authoritarian, all of that. Because it is for the sake of, of being different, not really for the sake of diversity. Diversity, that's more of the likes of, of, of Libra and Gemini. You know, Gemini likes variety and Libra likes balance. Libra will go out of its way to get the variety, you know, of just the balance. And, you know, Gemini is the tastemaker, you know, super curious with that Mercury energy about all of this and would, you know, want to every now and then try to integrate and interpret all these little tastes into the formula, if you will. So, you know, I guess, uh, you know, I went over everything to really school y'all, to tell y'all, to give y'all some grappling of, of the different signs that could be in the third house with the different planets and how you could, like, interpret and how there's different twists, you know. <clears throat> and also why I still got y'all is, like, the difference between the relationship in the third house of communication is that, yeah, like I just told y'all with the Mercury, you know, there's just a, a little difference. So even though the woman could have the Aquarius Venus and how she loved what's in her third house, because that also entails how she is thinking within that individualized, like when she's in relationship mode, because like I told you with Venus, Venus is not always in a relationship and Venus sometimes is not always looking to be in a relationship. And the, even the most toxic thing about it is with those being in, in factors, Venus enters into a relationship, wants to enter into a relationship, even though it's not looking because it, it knows that it got its own individual. So, you know, <clears throat> Aquarius, Venus, if, if you can imagine, could be... Dangerous people, toxic people, you know, really, really one-sided people. You could be like, these people are the darnest, you know, because it's just how they love. And, you know, with, you know, Mercury 
being here, for example, could mean good things. This really would enhance or bring out the best or even bring out the worst of that. And if we can imagine, you know, if the sun was here with... So, <laughs> this person is dangerous because remember what I told you with that sun in the third house and how that could pan out because this is... The king speaking or the queen speaking for for the the girl example this is the queen speaking, you know, and so my way or the highway, if you don't think or can communicate and understand what I am going because the ego is, is mixed up with the individuality and you in a relationship and she she got that Venus and so ooh, ooh, ooh. <coughs> You know, being a Capricorn rising, we could say like her her Mars is in the first house. So how she initiates and she 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 wants to build and 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 that's you know that's a beautiful thing. Now we're looking at this interpretation is that this this woman got this individualized mind state and how she loved. And the communication with the ego and with the Aries in the first house and how that's her spirit journey of, of building and working. It's just she's always like, this is an actual tangible person that got shit going. And it's, 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 she, this is a powerful woman, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? So, um... <clears throat> And let's do uh, the last uh, example. It could be like Saturn in the third house. You know, this could be like uh, this person got got work to do when it comes to their thinking and how to communicate because it comes in levels for them. This is like the Inception movie type vibe. You know what I mean? So there there would be like new and beautiful things as they develop in life with their communicating and how they think. And and this person is also powerful right here. You know, so if if they don't develop and see how the way that they think and the way that they communicate in, <clears throat> and how to channel that like Aquarius Venus there, for example. You can imagine this person like like they're in for some shit because you got your Capricorn in the first house with Aries and the way you wanna build it. It's like it's like you you gotta realize when you're insane because Capricorn is is insane. They they are the insane people, but in the most practical, pleasant, and successful sense. Because my running theory is that when Capricorn is stubborn, it is in a plus because it is the goat that is striving towards the top, and when there is a boulder or something in its way, it needs to. Keep going and keep pushing and keep, you know, tugging and and ramming and all of that, and soon they'll crumble and they'll <clears throat> because their 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 objective is at the boulder. Their objective is the mountaintop, or to to build the mountain. So that boulder is just a boulder, a small piece, 
and they got that bigger picture type of thing. So there goes, you know, the, the grain of salt for this, this Saturn in the third house. Oh, and the sign that could be here could be like, you know, let's say Pisces, right? So what I realized about the Pisces when I was like, oh, snap, I realized something about the Pisces is the Pisces is the two fish and the two fish is the two becoming one, like one soul. And that, that whole, like, uh, twin flame thing is like when the two flames become one, when they're together as like some Piscean thing, the, the dream, the dream conceptualized, realized, and and when you got those two energies that would come together, that was always has been the same. Is um, is where that comes into play with communication, and so this person, if you can imagine Pisces, and Pisces, you know, is is uh, professional, just like Aries. These are <clears throat> work suit. These are the people that don't call out for work. The only time like Pisces would call out for work is if you're not respecting their feelings. And and that's when you know the, the Piscean world or the dream begins to collapse on you. Because Pisces breaks the madness. Pisces is the eye of the storm and it is very hard if I even had to tell you guys probably virtually almost impossible even for a Scorpio to get into the eye of the storm because right before the eye of the storm the winds and it's the darkest and it's the stormiest and not a lot even survive that only Pisces can and Pisces they're they're the you know like I told y'all before like you know on the most practical sense like Aquarius is a chosen one but on like a higher concept Pisces is a chosen one this is the one from the dream that is here type of vibe that is Pisces they they are out of all the zodiac signs, like the one that is most bound towards rebirth type of vibes. You know, the, the Capricorn has some, you know, karmic things that they do need to do from their past life, yeah. And that's why they're reborn and that's why they, they're going through this is because this Capricorn is mastery. And that's also what Taurus promotes is completion you know uh, <clears throat> also that's what Virgo promotes you know the masterful insight the, the, the internal power the Leo is the internalized power externalized and I know that really didn't make any sense because the dichotomy between the lady and the lion, the lion and the lamb is that 
the lamb also has power and the power is equal just like when i told you about the sun and the moon in this is certain times when they're equal when they're of equal power something happens you know so all all of these signs have mastery themes and there's little codes I guess within us that we could incite and gain depending on whichever sign you you deem to to want to learn from and to understand from because all of the planets are are in our birth charts all of the signs are in our birth charts there hasn't been a time when all of a sudden Venus disappeared from the sky and somebody was born with no Venus it's never been that way in ever history. So every person that's ever been born has a Venus. And what does that entail is that everybody has themes of all of these planets in their lives. And there's never been a time in any history where magically the whole constellation would disappear like a Virgo or, you know, or the whole, so there's not even like, yeah, I don't have that sign in my charts. You, everybody has all the signs. Everybody has all the planets. Thing is, not every house is occupied because the house is dependent on the location where you were on the planet Earth and where the sun was in the eastward direction of where you was born at that moment is like the screenshot so when you're looking at modern day astrology and like saying oh yeah the moon it's like a say like a gemini moon and saturn is in capricorn right now it also literally means somebody that's born of right now has this as their natal chart their birth chart and how would you interpret that is that <clears throat> it's more so than just understanding your birth chart, but it's also understanding what is today's astrological forecast and interpreting what your set your your default sets are. Because that's all the birth chart is, is your default. And we all know optimization through hardware and through software. So is 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 it really optimizing yourself to stay in default? Is it really optimizing yourself to even try to fully... Yeah, it does to understand, obviously, the default so that you know exactly how to optimize yourself, you know? So, uh, yeah, there we go. That probably should be the cherry on the top, a little bow on it. <sighs> I'm your host. You're out. Third house. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, folks. This is NNN Radio. I'm your host. Thank you for tuning in. So we're going to be continuing our houses episodes. This is the night's order. So I told you about the first house, what it means, and even gave you all some hypothetical examples of how you could interpret the first house and uh, how to um, read your own natal chart. And read somebody else's if you need to. So now let's go on and move on to the second house. The second house is uh, traditionally Taurus. 
and it's a Taurus, Tauros, sorry, uh, type of house. So things that are kind of Taurish, I like to say bullish, but I know that's not what really the meaning of bullish is, but in a Tauros way. So this is the house of value. And in my interpretation slash opinion, I believe that this is the most literal, tangible house out of any one of these houses. And also, like, like just as valuable as the first house. I believe this second house actually means something because this is a house of value. What, what is valuable to you? And a lot of people would interpret this as a house of money. It can be. But it also could be your thought process. What do you think is valuable and what do you put emphasis on? So like family could be your value or you 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 hold them on a very high standard value-wise or priority-wise, you know. So So this is literally that house, that value. You could apply that in any physical or non-physical thing and that's what the second house is best or ought to be interpreted and the reason why i want to get tell y'all the reason why i think this is the most tangible the most literal the most actualized house is because the other houses also run on concepts that are more abstract like uh, the seventh house, not everybody gets married. Or the fifth house, house of children. You know, not everybody has children. Um, house of, of higher education, you know, like the ninth house. You know, not, not everybody goes, is, is academically inclined or, or is said to, you know, you, you got to go back to school and get the, you know, so, so. This this house is is like actual lives, especially when you see signs there, especially when you see planets there. So let's go in and take our Aries and our Capricorn examples. So, like in the first episode, we said hypothetically for our Aries person that they have Aries in the first house and they have Mars there in the first house. And what does that mean? So let's also say, hypothetically, their son is in the second house, and um, they're still Aries, let's say, all right? So how to also interpret that is that if you remember what I said in the previous episodes on archetypes on Aries, leadership, initiative, passion. And you got the sun, like I told you in the planet episodes. This is the ego, your your self-image and how you view yourself and how you want to present yourself. What you want, an aspect of you, whether that be physically, whether that be mentally, socially speaking, to shine the brightest. This is what you put forth as your ego. Right there in the second house would mean that 
you put value in your passions, we will say. You put value, and that's also tied in with your ego, your self-image, we could assume, or even your thought process. As more so like if, per se, um, our Capricorn friend may not have the sun. They could have Capricorn second house and Mercury second house. How would we interpret that? Well, our Capricorn friend is about programs and productivity. And Mercury is about thinking and communication. And this is the second house. So this person in their way of expressing themselves, but more importantly, how they think is a productive, they want to bring value and they want to build upon how how they're communicating with with people as as we could predict that this person is 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 uh with with the dynamic of Taurus and Capricorn these this is two earth sides so if you can imagine this this is a pretty good placement you know lovely and the, you know I wouldn't say well yeah I maybe in my opinion that we're just on it as hypothetical I think you know that is a pretty darn good placement but I was you know also thinking that Aries with in the you know with the Taurus house with the sun that that's interesting because Taurus is a little more reserved and that's that's what I also want to emphasize with y'all with the houses and they give y'all visualization in your minds on how you want, how to interpret and how you want to interpret also, is that <clears throat> the house is like the house rules on how you alter. And in, in the house, the house is like an aspect or a, a, a moment in your life when it comes to a said subject. So the second house you know, for any of the planets would correlate with what that house has to imply for as value. If you wanted to replace either the Sun or Mercury, we could say Saturn. So, you know, Saturn is teaching a lesson, as y'all remember in the planets episode about Saturn, in value, you know, this, and once when that lesson is learned, you get double the blessings. <clears throat> so, um, and and also with the sign, the sign is like the clothing that the planet wears. It's like the the element of obviously, because with our Aries example, you can interpret them as an air sun, and for. Our Capricorn friend with Mercury, you could, you, it is interpreted as a Earth Mercury, you know. And going back to the house, that's Taurus. Taurus is Earth, so you got the Earth with the with Mercury, and Mercury does have a Earth sign. That would be a secondary with Gemini and also Virgo. So, you know, you got that that good thing happening. And with the sun, Aries sun, boom, 
brilliant and uh with with the earth right there that that's uh really stabilizes the power that an airy sun brings right there so there you go guys interpreting the second house for y'all it's taurus like uh to summarize the house of value all right thanks for tuning in we're going to go over the third house in the next episode